as we consider Thanksgiving and the soon-to-be-here day uh, that we gather together as families and give thanks for the blessings from God. I want to remind you that um, we need to give more than thanks to Him. There's some things that we are blessed with that we don't recognize. I thank God that through the storm the other night, no one was harmed or killed in Selma. A lot of property was damaged, but property is property. Uh, people were kept safe. I'm thankful that through the, this time of the pandemic that we've been blessed as a church to have people stay healthy and well. And those that contracted the coronavirus uh, did not have the horrible symptoms and got through it. Sometimes the greatest blessings are those that we thank God for that we've never experienced, that God protected us from, that he, His hand overshadows us. And we forget about that. Sometimes in the midst of serving Him, we forget that He's there always. He goes before us while He stands beside us. He goes in back of us to protect us. He overshadows us to keep the storms away. And sometimes through the storms, He enshrouds us and never lets go. I'm so thankful that we have a God that loves us that way. And, and He calls us, He commands that we give thanks for all things. This passage of Scripture is referring to believers, both strong and weak. And it lets us know through the voice of Paul to the Christians in Rome the importance of the Christian community giving thanks for what God has done. We can depend upon Him. You know, they had a problem back then because they, they grew up, most of the people there in the church had grown up under a, a totalitarian government that was very unreasonable. And they didn't understand the loving kindness of Christ, the forgiveness that overshadows us and goes with us, the peace of God that will surround us. And a problem had occurred where the more mature Christians were looking down on some of the younger, weaker in the faith. They judged them. They were not kind to them. They treated the church and the body of Christ as if in the church there was seniority. Now, all of you who are adults understand what I mean by seniority because sometimes there, there's a ranking that way that just lets us know that some people seemingly are more important than others. Now, if you'll read your Bible, you'll find out that's simply not true in God's world. There's a man named Job who suffered greatly at the hands of the evil one to test him to see if he truly was faithful to God. In the storm and the clamor of his life that was a disaster, he went to his three closest friends. And somehow, they totally missed the mark. 
They didn't understand at all what was going on. In fact, they confused the situation more than anybody. In fact, in the last two chapters of the book of Job, God speaks plainly uh, about his three friends. Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz. He says, these men have not spoken a word from me. Amazingly, guess who did speak a word from God? A young guy. Not the one with seniority, but the one who had been around the least amount of time. His name was Elihu. And Elihu spoke words from God that resonates in our hearts to this very day. So I want to remind you, it's not the length of time that you've spent as a Christian that defines who and what you are. It's the quality of your walk alone with him. And your ability to get back to him in the storms of life that determines really what you are. And then from that you understand the offering that is more than just thanks. It's one thing to give thanks, and we should give thanks, always give thanks. We should pray over our food and thank God for the food, thank God for those who prepared it, and thank God for the day that we have to enjoy it. But God expects more than just words of thanks. The offering should be our lives, totally, absolutely, and honestly in every way. In the opening part of this verse, Paul says that Christians do not live to themselves or die to themselves. Now, you know, that's an odd thing to say, but one that needs to be heard in a world where people can sit across from one another and never speak for long amounts of time. People live next door to one another, and they never have any contact with one another. As a good friend of mine shared with me the other day about a group of, of young folks that were in a room, and he just wanted to know how they were communicating, and one was texting away, and he said, who are you texting to? And that person right over there. They didn't get up and speak. They didn't have that, that communication that you can read. If you have ever taken a class on speech, especially in a business school, one of the things you'll learn is that sometimes it's the nonverbals that go on between two people that you can read very well. The gifted people in our world know how to read those, and it's impossible to read them in a text or even a voicemail. You see, God does not command us to gather together over Wi-Fi or over the radio. And we do that because by necessity's sake, we don't have a choice right now. But he says, forsake not the assembling together of yourselves. This is so important. The language that we can read from one another is so powerful. The communication that one person gives to another. I, I just want to mention one thing today, and I just want to say thank you to Nancy Creech. I never walk up to Nancy that she doesn't give me that beautiful smile that just, Jim, I know why you were smitten the first time you met her. She is such a loving person, and I need that. I almost want to check myself into the hospital for a surgery just to get to see you because your faith just exudes from you, your love for people. You don't get that any other way. Assembling together matters. We need that. 
we started a ministry some months ago that reaches out to those who are in nursing homes who have no contact with anyone except for the CNAs that bring their meal and then take it away and then check their temperature maybe once a day. We've put some beautiful bird feeders in front of all the windows, 42 of them, I believe, at, at Park Place Nursing Home. And we thought that was a way to reach out to them a, a way better than just them watching TV or listening to the radio. I never dreamt that it would have the impact that it's had. When I go over there and talk to the administrator and the, the various employees there, they come up and thank me. They say, your church has done one of the wisest things. We see people now that seem like they were drifting back into nothingness, giving up on life, and now they're happy. In fact, they walk over and they watch the bird feeder and they're looking for the people who feed the birds in the bird feeder to show up because that's a relationship that they have become accustomed to and they need. The body of Christ is important, but the body of Christ needs to be together to understand what God wants to do. We need to offer more than thanks. Now, in order to reach a true spirit of thanksgiving, there's some things we not only need to practice, there's some things we need to avoid. And one of the first things that we need to avoid is this, is taking too much responsibility sometimes for things. We need to love people. And we need to spread our love out to a lot of folks. But we can't become somebody's conscience and their caregiver. God wants us to touch a lot of people. Paul could have spent his entire ministry in one city with one small group of people and never ventured beyond that. But God called him to a greater ministry. And because of that, the gospel spread far outside the walls of Jerusalem to the whole known world. In fact, I would even submit that we may not be here today if he hadn't have made that commitment in his own life. Paul saw that Christians were spending too much time dealing with just little things that didn't matter. And he told them, look, you don't live to yourself or die to yourself and don't get caught up in these things. Go forward and serve. That's what God wants you to do. Reach out to those that are there. Expand your horizons. Be creative in what you do. Understand that part of thanksgiving is also giving to others what you've been thankful for. And we don't need to restrict that. In our world, we so often draw a very tight circle, and inside that circle, just put our immediate family and our five most significant friends. Please erase that circle and add to it day by day because it's important that you do that. See, here's what's amazing. You are the assimilators of the gospel in Selma, Alabama. You are given the task of sharing your faith wherever you serve or live or shop. God wants you to be faithful in that. Many times we allow ourselves to get involved in one thing and never walk away from it. And, and let me explain this to you. And, and I learned this a long time ago, and it was a hard lesson for me. Busyness does not equal productivity. 
You hear me? Staying busy does not mean that you're productive in the kingdom of heaven. You can dote over a personal project or a few people to such a point that you lose fact that there are people way out there that need you. There are people that are being neglected. Even mother birds, as much as they love their nest and their eggs, once they hatch those chicks, and I think it has something to do with them constantly, incessantly screaming, that the time comes when the mother determines that it's time to push them out of the nest. And thankfully, they usually fly before they hit the ground. But they know when it's time to do that. And there are people in your life that you've ministered to, that you've brought alongside, and, and you've met their needs there comes a time that they need to go forward and they need to reproduce by bringing somebody to faith in Christ. If you keep them under your shoulder and under your wing, they will never have the freedom to find their place in this world. And the direction they may go may be entirely different than anything you could ever imagine. But God wants us to do that. And the reason why we do that is because, number one, the gospel goes forth and touch, touches lives. But number two, we've got so much more to be thankful for as we see that happen naturally. I'm not, I'm not a, a program-driven person because I don't believe that programs assimilate the gospel. I believe people do. And we've got a lot of creative people and God has given us a lot of gifts. But if you don't use those gifts and you don't find a way to assimilate the gospel to others through your gifts, because you all have a circle of friends, all of you, but you need to communicate to them who Jesus is. You know, Satan takes our eyes off the Lord sometimes. He causes us to take ownership for the actions of others and for things that happen. And we can't spend our lives cleaning up other people's problems. I remember a uh, janitor that we had years ago that worked at a church that I was in. And that poor man told me, he said, I've got 125, there are 125 members of the church. He said, I've got 125 bosses. I said, how do you do that? He said, I just puts it in neutral and lets them shove me around wherever they want me to go. And you know what? He was there 45 years and, and I think he was as miserable the last day he worked there as he was the first day. Because he never was allowed to just go out and do what he could do best. He knew what was needed there. And sometimes we need to stay out of people's way, turn them loose, and let them serve. In teaching, you will never become a successful teacher if they put you in a classroom that has glass walls and everybody else watches you. Your style will never be developed. You'll be intimidated by the environment. And the students will never get the fullness of your ability until you develop that on your own. And it's true with your faith. God wants you to develop your faith. It, you're unique. You're different. And if we truly want to give thanks, we need to fulfill our potentiality in everything that we do. The Message Bible says this, and I love this. It says, so tend to your own knitting. You've got your hands full just taking care of your own life before God. So do it fully and totally and don't be discouraged by anyone else. 
that doesn't understand what you're doing. God made you particular in the way that he made you. And the message that you give is so powerful. And if it never gets out, no life will ever be changed. And that's so sad because in this world we need it. Remember also that Christ is the only judge. Paul said that, that, that Christ will be the judge because he has the authority and the ability to do that. Let me warn you, in life there are going to be a lot of people that judge you. But you know what? They have no authority. They, they can hurt you. They may sound like a wasp or a hornet when they come after you, but they can hurt you no more than a lightning bug can because they don't have the authority to judge you. You've not completed your task in life, and they're, they're not given the authority to come in the middle of your life and to make a judgment call. Now, they try that. It happens all the time. And people look at what you're doing, and, and they critique it. And all of us, in what we do, have room for improvement. But we don't have room to be judged and criticized in what we're doing because nothing destroys a thankful heart like a heart that's been criticized by too many people. Understand this. When you see someone in life that's having a tough time, it's not your job to criticize them. It's not your job to judge them. It's not your job to, to, to uh, maliciously spread anything about their inability to do what they're doing. You have one responsibility, and that is to pray for them. If they enter into your circle, you're, you have an added responsibility of encouraging them. Even if you don't see anything worth encouraging. I had an employee years ago at my second restaurant, and I'll never forget her. She, that was the clumsiest human that ever walked the earth. She dropped things constantly, not just on the floor or on the counter, but on customers. That's not good when you're in the restaurant business. But she had one redeeming quality. She came early every time. And, of course, Jim, you'd shout amen to that because sometimes the best employees don't know how to get there on time. But she was always there early, and I always tried to encourage her. Of course, I always, yeah, I wanted to say, don't serve the bright fruit drinks to ladies wearing white, okay? Because I knew what was going to happen. I paid for a lot of dry cleaning. But you know what's amazing? As I encouraged her and thanked her for being on time, the others heard that, and they changed the way they had lived when they began to realize that she had a quality, they encouraged her. Do I need to tell you what happened four years down the road when I sold my restaurants? Guess who the new owner hired as the manager of that restaurant? Yes, Butterfingers. By then she learned to hold on to things. But that one quality, was, was, I, just, I just had to let her know because I appreciated that so much. Look for that one quality in those round about you that you can encourage them with because they need that. We live in a dark world right now, and we don't know where things are going. It, it's, it's frightening, but can I remind you of this? The same God that's protected you all these years is still watching over you. Remember, he that watcheth over Israel neither slumbers nor sleeps. 
He knows what's going on. He will protect you through the storms, through the disasters, through the sadness, through the speculation. He will be there, and you've got to trust Him. There are probably some Christians that, that you, you reach out to, and, and they don't reach out to you. That's fine. That's fine. You can't, you can't meet everybody's need. You don't want to be one of those people that knows everybody casually at about three arms length. You've got to let people into your circle. You've got to take chances. You're, you're going to be hurt. That happens. But through that process, you learn and you grow. And you live. And, and you're, you're driven to prayer. Because life is tough. It's not easy for any of us. And, and just don't believe that the verbal ones are the only ones that are having a rough time. Sometimes it's the very quiet people that never share that are going through the storms in life. You need to be there for them also. God has given us a great work to do, and His Word supplies everything that we need. And I'm so thankful for that. He never overlooks us. You know, God puts a pressure on us sometimes because He wants us to understand what is ahead. He wants us to see what's coming down the road. I've told my buddy, John Friday, the, the frustration I have since I've had these, this eye surgery and these implants with these new high-beam lights that are just freaky. I mean, it's almost like they think their sole job is to blind me in my lane. And it's horrible. And I mean, you know something's wrong at 11 o'clock at night when you're putting on sunglasses just to deal with the cars coming toward you. There will always be someone that puts a light on you that creates problems. Deal with it because they pass you and they go on. Those things happen. Ephesians 5.16 says that we're to be redeeming the time for the days are evil. Let me interpret that to you, to you in a very plain, practical way. Our time's running out. And the world's getting worse. We know that. Jesus didn't die to save this earth this government he died to call a people to himself and you're a part of that process thankfulness seems to be the lost art today for some people Warren Wearsby a, a writer that I've always loved in his commentary on Colossians tells this story that's remarkable he told about a ministerial student in Evanston Illinois who was a part of a, a life-saving squad in 1860 a ship had hit, uh, had gone aground on some rocks, and it, it stayed there in Lake Michigan near Evanston. This man, this young man, swam out, and he saved 17 of the passengers that would have died, for the storm was raging. 17 people lived. He got sick in the midst of that, and... Not long after that, being absolutely unable to return to seminary or to fulfill his calling to preach, he died. The minister that preached his funeral told this story that he had heard from some of the family. That of the 17 people whose lives were saved by him, no one thanked him. No one. 
And they said they tried to encourage him and say, look, you know, maybe they forgot or maybe they overlooked it. Or, you know, and, and he allowed this overwhelming sense of dread to take his life over and to end his life. Sometimes the most powerful, the most beautiful, the most wonderful thing you can do is smile at somebody and thank them for being who they are. Thank you, Nancy. And sometimes we need to stop and quit worrying about the next five things we need to accomplish in the day so we can feel good at the end of the day. Push those aside and look around and see who's hurting that we can help. Then we understand what Thanksgiving is all about. And then we understand what life looks like through the eyes of God who loved us enough to give us the greatest gift. Let us pray. Father, I thank you that your word is so powerful and so pointed to us in the situation of our life because we struggle. We're only human. We make mistakes. We sometimes make mistakes and sit down and never get up again. But Father, thank you for loving us even when we're sitting there. And I pray that you would give us the power to trust you and to move when you call us to move because that's exactly what you want us to do. We're not to give up. We're to continue to serve you. And Father, I pray that as we go into this Thanksgiving season that you would speak to this, this precious body of Christ known as First Baptist Church of Selma and give us the, the courage and the encouragement that we need to serve you through whatever storm may come our way. May you bless us and help us to be the blessing to others. For as the world grows dark, we must shine to let them know there is hope. And I pray this, Lord, in your holy name. Amen.